For my ally is the Force. And a powerful ally it is. Life creates it. Makes it grow. Its energy surrounds us and binds us. Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. You must feel the force around you. Here, between you, me, the tree, the rock, everywhere. I am a Jedi, like my father before me. Don't know the power of the dark side. If you strike me down, I shall become more powerful than you can possibly imagine. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to episode 254 of Blue Harvest. I'm your host, Halls Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. And, I don't know, man. Fucking Star Wars. That's what we talk around here. We talk That's Star Wars. That's a good Wars. word around here. Got any good news? Uh, how you been, buddy? I've been hanging in there. How you been? You've been good. I saw you online playing a little Grand Theft Auto Five the other day. Yeah, I. Uh, it was so cheap because uh, they had it free on the Epic Store, but it was still pretty cheap everywhere else. So I uh, I played through it and even played the online when it came out on 360. And yeah. you know how you know how I am. I refuse to pay for you know DLC or add-ons or anything like that. So I was real took a stance about not playing it on xbox one but uh i just i saw it it was cheap and i was like you know what i can get there's some new stuff in the online that i haven't seen and uh, <coughs> probably a lot really of new stuff <laughs> yeah a lot of stuff and and stories that i like so you know i like the story so i downloaded it yeah i might have to jump on and play a little grand theft auto online with you I always you should. You definitely should. I got a. I got my businesses rock. I got a bunker. Nice. And I got a, like a, I got a counterfeit money business and a cocaine business. Look at you, look at you. Coming up in the world, running a motorcycle club. Man, um, yeah. I mean, I totally, I totally understand the idea of not rebuying the same game, especially if you don't have any desire to replay it. Right. Um, I'm kind of a sucker for a remaster if it's a game I really like, you know. Well, this looks incredible. It I've does. I've been playing through the story and uh, as well as the online, and it it looks fantastic. Yeah, it's crazy how a game that at this point is seven or eight years old, I think. Um, yeah, still looks so good, and then. You look at fucking Red Dead Redemption 2 and it looks even better. Like, I can't even imagine uh, what what their next game GTA is GTA 6 will be like. Yeah, because you know that'll be... I'm pretty sure that'll be next generation consoles at this point. Um, so yeah, I'm 
looking forward to see what those dudes pull off graphically. Me too. Man. Um, there are some interesting vehicles in there now. Yeah, There's I saw... A, um, <laughs> a flying DeLorean. That's what I was about to bring bikes. up. Yeah, yeah. Cause, they kind of make uh, PVP impossible unless you have one. Oh, really? Like one of the yeah. special cars or something? Well, like they have missiles on them, right? So, like, I'm not driving a car or a motorcycle with missiles. So so a dude can roll up on me and just... Pew, pew, Mario Kart your ass? Wasted. You know. And the griefing can be really bad, but... Well, it's Grand Theft Auto Online. That's I what yeah, I mean, that's the name of the game. <coughs> so, um, I, I, you so know... That's my goal is to save up for one of those flying hover cars they're a little slower than the rocket bikes but i don't know I, where we're going we don't need roads to have a delorean that hovers like yeah. that would be amazing yeah i don't think i've played grand theft auto online since back in the day when i would play with like you and gray which was right around the time it first came out and yeah gray, that was the 360 days gray would always want to do the um Let's do the race. Like, he would always want to do racing, but just the circular track. Yeah. Over and yeah. over again. I was like, I don't know, guys. We should go golfing. Let's go yeah. golfing. Golf I always wanted to go golfing. It was one of my favorite things. And now, like, there's nightclubs and arcades. Like, you can go in them and waste time. There's a casino. Yeah, I've I seen some of the casino I stuff. Won and lost a big amount of money playing blackjack in the GTA casino. Well, that's cool. Sounds like a good time. I, you and I should get on Red Dead and just play poker, because that's <clears throat> I'd be down with that. Straight up Texas Hold'em. You know, I miss that. I don't think I've played any Red Dead Redemption Two online, because when that game came out, you know, I spent like a hundred and twenty, hundred and thirty hours completing as much of the story. Uh, you know, I, I completed the story, but as much of that game, the single player stuff as possible, and I didn't want to take a break from that to get sucked in online and then by the time i finished that i didn't really feel like playing anymore red dead 2 so yeah i don't ever think i tried out the online i did and got grief so bad in the beginning that it just wasn't worth it like yeah <clears throat> yeah but i know they've put some things in place since then so maybe it's not quite so bad oh that's cool well all righty um i'm trying to think of what i've been up to Final Fantasy fourteen, um, works ramping back up. So, I had a little more time to play video games during lockdown. So that little bit more time is becoming a little bit more and more less as the days go on. Right. So, I'm quickly getting back to the weekends only available, and then I, I got to make the decisions, the big decisions on what I play. Who gets those hours? <clears throat> yeah. Man, I wish Final Fantasy XIV was on Xbox so you could play with us. I think you would have a good time. It's, I know I would. It's coming eventually to Xbox. Uh, I don't think they have like a specific date for it yet, but it is headed there eventually. That's awesome. So, uh, we got some Star Wars stuff to talk about this week. Do Nothing. We? Yeah, I wouldn't say anything like huge, groundbreaking... Cobb Vanth style news, but we got like little bits and pieces here and there. Um, and we'll talk about the latest episode of 
Disney Gallery, The Mandalorian, which, uh, spoiler, alert, spoiler alert, I thought was pretty incredible this week. Absolutely. That's kind of one I've been waiting on. <clears throat> and then we'll be uh, hearing from you guys as we do every week. But before we get to there, I'll give you a little bit of the business. Uh, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blueharvestpodcast. You can email us at blueharvestpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, and Instagram at blueharvestpod. And we have a Patreon where we post all kinds of bonus shows. I've got a Oh No, It's Hall Solo ready to come out any day now. Just got to work on it a little bit. And uh, and that'll be up there. We also have shows like Cooking with Will, Blue Harvest Adventures, uh, all kinds of stuff. Jaws with me and Jesse. All kinds of cool things that you'll be able to check out. Bonus shows. Um, and, you know, if you want to support the podcast, check it out at patreon.com slash blue harvest podcast i am feeling a little fucking uh scatterbrained i have a bitch of a headache right now really yeah yeah is that common these days no thankfully <laughs> it's it's it'd be alarming if it was common to have a stress headaches really bad headache uh no no um so, what are we going to talk about this? Star Wars of some nature. Yeah, of all kinds of natures. Um, so the first thing I, th- I figured we'd talk about, uh, we, we've mentioned it before on the show that Ahmed Best, um, who you might know better as Jar Jar from the prequel series, or the prequel trilogy, is um, was going to be hosting like a Star Wars trivia slash obstacle course game show called uh, Jedi Temple Challenge. It was announced sometime last year. But we got the trailer for it this week. And I gotta say, that shit looks pretty neat. It looks amazing. It looked like uh, Legend of the Hidden Temple Mm -hmm, with mm -hmm. Star Wars. And that's the perfect use of a mod best to me. Like, you know, that's a great way to bring him back. (coughs) Yeah, I mean... Despite the show looks like a lot of fun, and and you nailed it. It looks like Legends of the Hidden Temple, maybe with a little double dare or some shit thrown in there. Um, uh, Seasoned heavily with Jedi stuff. Yeah, having him as the host, I think, is perfect. He looks pretty neat all in the Jedi robes and shit. Um, But one thing I did notice that was a little interesting, and maybe I'm incorrect. I don't feel like I am, though. I feel like the show, when it was initially announced, was announced as being a Disney Plus show, but it's apparently going to air on the Star Wars Kids YouTube channel. Oh, wow. Yeah, and I don't know what that's all about. Like, I don't feel like you're going to reach as many people with it not being on Disney Plus. Well, you Maybe it's plans to go there eventually. You know, it could be some sort of strategy, like debut it on there. And then move the episodes to Disney Plus. I'm not sure, but you would think that po- the potential for more people to see it would be higher on YouTube because it doesn't require a rescri- uh, subscription. Okay, um, all right. But I don't know that that's the case. If that's will be how it shakes out, and uh, you would just imagine that having more content for Disney Plus would be 
better, right? Like, that's just, while it may not appeal to everybody and might not appeal to every Star Wars fan necessarily, it would be one more piece of content for your subscription service. True. I just thought it was kind of weird. Um, That is your brand. Right. Um, But regardless, I'll be checking it out. I don't think it's going to be one of those things where we, you know, watch it every week and we're like, okay, now it's time to discuss Jedi Temple Challenges or whatever. Like, I think. No, uh, no. But it seems like it'll be fun. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, And like I said, just kick ass to see Ahmed Best working with Lucasfilm and a Star Wars role of some sort again. Absolutely. And I like Absolutely. I'm glad he's back. I like how they're um seemingly like sort of setting it in universe. Like he's not I'm he's got like a character name, right? Did you notice that? He's Jedi Master something. Now that you say that, he did say his name and I I was like, "Oh, that's cool," but like I just kind of glossed over it at the time. Yeah, I can't remember. Um I think it's Kelleran Beck. Uh, or is okay. or is that yeah i think that's it um but yeah nice to finally see some footage from it and i'll definitely be checking it out uh another thing that got announced which is pretty cool which i'm looking forward to checking out is star wars tales from the galaxy's edge now this is a new a vr experience that's coming from ILM X Lab. Uh, oh wow! ILM X Lab is the same company uh, that's do- that did like Vader Immortal, which was the previous VR game that they put out, which is really cool, by the way. Really? Yeah. When all this scary shit is over, the next time you come hang out, we're gonna hook up the uh, Oculus and let you do some fucking lightsaber battles. It's pretty neat. Um, and I, I was kind of wondering, like it, it seemed like it was fairly well received Vader immortal. And before that they did another one called trials of Tatooine, I believe is what it's called. Um, and I was wondering if they would have another VR product coming out after Vader immortal and turns out, uh, that they announced it today. Uh, and this is sort of the statement they put out today. We are really pleased to announce that we are in development on a new virtual reality experience star wars tales from the galaxy's edge in collaboration with oculus studios um that's cool star wars tales from the galaxy's edge will give players the opportunity to live their own adventure and explore part of a galaxy far far away in virtual reality the original story will feature both new and iconic characters from the star wars universe with multiple styles of gameplay and difficulty settings to accommodate a wide variety of players, from Star Wars fans to VR gamers alike. Uh, and, you know, Galaxy's Edge is the the uh, the theme parks, right? Right. So, uh, it's, it's seemingly, I think it's a safe bet to stay, say that that'll be set on Batu. So I dug uh, Vader Immortal so much that that's something I'm really looking forward to. You know, I was wondering if you played it. Yeah, Vader Immortal. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I've got it on my Oculus. It's awesome. really cool. 
um, there is one of the chapters you come in contact with a rancor and it's like I don't want to say scary but it's unnerving oh really like being in the room with this giant fucking scary monster and like you're like climbing around and avoiding it as it's trying to grab you and you're grabbing shit with the force and throwing at it and stuff it's it's pretty intense like it uh, sounds like it yeah i i think you'll really think it's it's pretty neat when you get a chance to check it out um and uh, vader when you when you uh do encounter vader in that game pretty intimidating they did a really good job of that <clears throat> but it, you know it's nice because we get so few star wars video games nowadays um you know, for something I've been working on, I've been sort of cataloging Star Wars video games on different platforms and stuff. And it really, it like when you get into sort of the golden era of Star Wars video games, which admittedly, there was a lot of crap coming out too, but right. you definitely had way more volume. Even if, you know, you stood a good chance of one of them being crappy, there was a lot coming out. Uh, and I just don't know why that seems to be one of the things that's not as well supported. You know, two Battlefront yeah. games and a and Jedi Fallen Order from EA in the past however long it's been. Um, oh, weirdly enough, I think, I could be wrong about this, but I get a feeling that we might be hearing something somewhat soon about the next EA released star wars game um so our buddy andy from uh star wars ramblings retweeted ea motives twitter account which apparently has existed for a while but they actually just became active today or yesterday maybe oh, you wow. know that's the company that was supposedly behind that star wars maverick project we were hearing which about. was originally the 1313 mm -mm. no maverick is that... just the amy hennig thing no that was um shit i can't remember the code name for that maverick is one that hasn't come out yet hasn't been revealed yet oh, but okay. was seemingly accidentally leaked we talked about it a couple of weeks or a couple of months ago that a listing for it accidentally leaked on the playstation store and remember, it had the Star Wars Maverick logo with like a Star Destroyer on it. It was like yeah. all red and orange. Um, and the rumor at the time was that EA Motive was working on that title. And now they're suddenly sort of, in, you know, active on social media. So that kind of, to me, I could be completely wrong, but I don't think you start up your whole social media thing unless you're going to have something to start promoting and talking about on social media and we're not too terribly far from when e3 would have been um i think it's it was normally like the first or second week in june right so you gotta think that maybe that would have been part of ea's e3 reveals um right so i wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of weeks we're talking about project maverick or whatever it ends up being called <clears throat> but uh, i'd also like to say what the fuck do i know 
<laughs> you know? Right. I guess we'll see. I could be very right. I could be very wrong. If I'm wrong, we just won't ever, we just won't bring it up. And no one will know. Yeah. I'll go and post act, uh, post, uh, post, uh, I'll go back after the fact and delete it from this episode. Somebody's going to send us an email like, what is Star Wars Maverick? And we'll be like, what is Star Wars Maverick? What is that? Be sending an email being like, I swear that in episode 254, you said we would probably be hearing something in a couple of weeks about Star Wars Maverick. And I and then I'd be like, nope, I never said that. And then I swear you did. And I went and downloaded the episode and it's not there. Mandela effect, man. I don't know what to tell you. Not me. Mandela effect. <laughs> I'm claiming Mandela. <clears throat> yeah, that seems to be the easiest thing for me to claim. All right, uh, so a couple of cool things. Now we'll move into something that's a little bit of a bummer, but also not super surprising. So, you know, we talked about the High Republic uh, earlier this year when it was announced, this big publishing initiative that was going to usher in this new unexplored era of Star Wars. And it was all going to sort of kick off in August with the first book release. Um, well, unfortunately that is no longer the case. Um, the, uh, creative director of Lucasfilm publishing put out a statement this week, and this is what it says. Uh, always in motion is the future. That quote from Yoda is just as relevant today as when the empire strikes back was released 40 years ago. And while it applies to the uncertainty of the future, it also applies to star Wars, the high, high Republic. Star Wars The High Republic is a massive, interconnected, cross-publisher initiative that will establish an all-new era of Star Wars storytelling. Set 200 years before the events of the prequel trilogy, this mega-story will give readers and Star Wars fans of every age an entry point into The High Republic, a time of galactic renaissance when the Jedi Knights were at their height. Given these unprecedented times, we have made the decision to move the launch of Star Wars The High Republic to January 2021 to ensure that the launch is, a, is, grand, is as grand and epic as it deserves to be. Now, I know that waiting isn't easy, and I know fans have been excited for this since it was first announced. I'm right here with you. I've also been waiting to tell this story for years, and while I still can't say much about it, I can tell you that our story architects, Claudia Gray, Justina Ireland, Daniel Jose Older, Kevin Scott, and Charles Sewell are continuing to work away on this new era of stories. You'll hear from them this summer, and when you do, be sure to ask them about the hero of Hedzal, the twins, the blade of Bardada, the Staros and Santeca clans, and the storms. You're not going to believe what they've got in store for the Jedi and the Republic. So from the bottom of my heart, I thank you. I thank you for reading, and I thank you for your understanding and patience. Star Wars The High Republic has been a true labor of love for us, and we can't wait for readers to experience the golden age of the Jedi. Until then, and as always, stay strong, stay safe, and may the Force be with you. So, unfortunately, we got to wait just a couple more months before the kickoff of The High Republic, and it's hard to um, sort of not understand with everything that's going on you know what i mean right but did you hear uh the santeca clans 
Yeah, Lor Santeca, right? Right? That uh, that was a neat little surname to pull into it. <clears throat> and that gives a little bit more background to the the Church of the Force, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if the Church of the Force will be around then or what, you know? But it definitely gives some sort of genealogy to that character, for sure. That's true. Um, and I thought I saw... Okay, so there are some revised release dates. Um, Star Wars The High Republic, Light of the Jedi, and Star Wars The High Republic, A Test of Courage will both now release on January 5th, 2021. Uh, Star Wars The High Republic Into Darkness has moved to a new release date of February 2nd, 2021. Um, and new release dates for the Marvel and IDW comic series will be announced at a later time. So, that, um, <coughs> you know, easy to understand why that's happening. I was right. really looking forward to that shit. Also kind of interesting that that first book was set to come out just before Star Wars Celebration, I believe. And you have to imagine that the High Republic, I don't think it would have been the main focus of Celebration, but you'd have to imagine that it would have been a main focus of, you know, it would have been one of the big things, one of the bigger you would focuses. Think, yeah. So <clears throat> and they have still yet to cancel Star Wars Celebration. Um, so, I don't know, man. I don't know whether moving that book series or not is uh, likely to affect or be some sort of, like, indication that it's going to be moving. Right. But, I don't know. At this point, I'm really hoping they cancel. Because... If they were to still hold it, I don't know that Jesse and I would go. Even though we've already got everything secured. Tickets, hotel, plane, tickets, all that. So, in the interest of making it a lot easier to reschedule or cancel that stuff, like, really hoping they cancel. Right. As selfish as that may sound. Like, it's going to put us in a pretty unenviable well, I don't know about unenviable, but a uh, a sticky situation otherwise. It's going to be a pain in the ass is what I'm trying to say. That's what it sounds like. A logistical nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing that sucks is if they don't cancel it and they still have it, like I said, it's, it's very doubtful at this point that Jesse and I go. Um, and I'm going to be so bummed to miss it. Like, I'm going to want to go but not want to go, if that makes sense. Like, I just don't know how ready I am to be in a fucking shoulder-to-shoulder -shoulder con floor at this moment. It makes me a little nervous. Yeah, of course. But damn, will I be bummed if I have to miss Celebration when it still goes on. Not the end of the world, though. <clears throat> you want to talk well, about, uh, oh, what were you going to say? What was the date again, you said? For celebration? Yeah. It's in August. August. That's yeah. hard to call. Yeah. It's either late summer or... It's still summer, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. August 27th to August 30th. 
as celebration. So right at the end of August. And it is, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I don't know, man. I feel like just just a few weeks ago, I was I was definitely saying, oh, yeah, celebration is canceled. But then we keep going further and further into it, and there's been no announcement. And everything keeps opening back up, and we're like, uh, all yeah. right. Yeah, and we're like three months, basically exactly three months out from it at this point right now. So, oh no, man, <laughs> they really got to fucking let us know, I guess. Yeah. And I just hope we're keeping everybody safe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope nobody's getting, uh, nobody's in danger. That doesn't have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, you know. I definitely understand that shit's got to open back up at some time, but I don't know that we need to rush into having that many thousands of people congregating together, you know? And trust and me, like, yeah, you're talking to someone who loves Star Wars Celebration. Star Wars Celebration is fucking magical, my friend. I love it so much. And... What's fucked up is when this all started, <clears throat> you know, Jesse and I were talking and I was like, you know, depending on how this all goes, if if it is safe to go to Star Wars Celebration and we go, just think of how much fun it'll be. Like, it'll seem like this one is even more fun than usual. Right. Because after all the stress of fucking coronavirus and lockdown and being out of work and all that shit, like... You know, if it's still possible to go and safe. And then as things went on, it just became more and more sort of evident that that ain't likely to happen. Right. Which is sad. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, it would be a bummer to not have a Star Wars celebration uh, the year of the 40th anniversary of Empire. But I don't see why you can't do the same things you would have done next year. Like, it's not the exact 40th anniversary year but still it's true yeah um okay you want to talk about uh, the latest episode of disney gallery the mandalorian i would like to talk about that yes damn that shit was cool wasn't it though man this is that's the kind of the one i've been waiting on like the technology centered one yeah yeah and seeing how they pulled that shit off was just as impressive as I thought it would be. Right. Every bit as interesting as I knew it was going to be, especially with that lighting board technology, the, the volume, the volume mm -hmm. they talk about. I mean, that's pretty much their centerpiece. Like I get it. You know what? I thought one of the interesting things was like, there's something about, the the camera is projecting, I guess, some sort of like high definition image behind where it's focused. Does that make sense to you? Did you see that? Mm, I don't know what you mean. When when they were using the camera and mm -hmm. it was projected onto the volume, like this large area of where the camera was focused was was uh, cleaned up digitally or enhanced or. Focused in a way that maybe the rest of the backdrop wasn't. Oh, well, that's I like mean, real time. Yeah, real time parallax. Virtual and, parallax. Like, 
Yeah, Parallax. They they really could have done some people a favor, I feel, and explained Parallax because they d- they dropped fucking Parallax like it was a term we just all know. Did you well, notice? They, just, they put the definition in the beginning of the the, the episode. Oh, did they? They put, they put the textbook definition, <laughs> flashed it up on screen, and then hit the ground running. Okay, so I watched that episode twice now and somehow still didn't notice that. So that shows you what a dummy I am. I'm sitting here like, oh, they could have explained Parallax. And you're like, well, they kind of did. Um, yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, we we heard, we've been hearing about this, these giant screens and this screen technology and LED screens and such and such. And then the behind the scenes pictures that came out sort of towards the beginning of the year that showed it off and things like that seeing it in action as much as we did in this episode wow that shit is cool isn't it isn't it though and sort of seeing the progression of it like how from jungle book to lion king King to to this yeah yeah man and uh that's that's the kind of shit like one of the things my dad always tells me when he talks about star wars is how blown away they were when they first saw it with the special effects you know and then love it or hate it george lucas did try to up the ante with the prequels with that with all the cg and like all the fake sets and i never felt like we got that huge technological jump forward in the sequel trilogy not that they don't look good i think the sequel trilogy movies look really good um for the most part um but it never seemed like I saw something in there that was like, wow, that is fucking impressive. That is a new use of technology in movie making, right? You know, I would definitely give props to like Tarkin in Rogue One because that was pretty impressive. Um, yeah. But also, I don't know. Tarkin looks really good. Tarkin looks way better than Leia does at the end of the movie. Um, that's for sure. I think George was an ILM were ahead of the time back then. Like I, I think, you know, and like, just like with George doing a lot of the prequels on green screen, you know, that again, ahead of its time. Right. That's, th- that's what I'm saying. And we never really saw this ahead of its time type thing in the sequel trilogy movies. Right. You know, we, we definitely saw sort of a, interesting merging of well there was a pointed return to practical effects well that's what i was going to say we saw a sort of an interesting merge of practical original trilogy type stuff with prequel cgi stuff right you know a heavy mix of both um and that was kind of neat it was kind of neat to see those two different things sort of compressed together and used in tandem but this volume stuff on the Mandalorian. That's what I'm talking about, man. That is the kind of like leap forward that I think is really neat. And I think will, that's going to change a lot of stuff. Yeah. I think we're going to see that used quite a bit. And I don't know, obviously I don't know the financials of that sort of thing, but I would have to imagine using that instead of shipping out these huge crews to far away remote locations 
to film a Star Wars movie has to be infinitely cheaper, right? So what I'm wondering is, will we get to the point where it's refined enough and it's, uh, you know, the, the definition of it is so comparable that is that the secret to cracking the lower budget Star Wars movie that doesn't have to make billions and billions of dollars to break even or make money for Disney? Kind of seems like it might be. Right? I could definitely see that being the key because there's definitely moments in The Mandalorian, you know, maybe not on your first watch, but when you've watched it a few times like I have, where you can tell like, Oh, that's not they're You know, they're not on a real location, but I, for me personally, it's few and far between and it's hardly distracting, you know? Right. So I figure, you know, like I think if they could just up it up even just a little bit more, then it would be completely feasible for use in a, a bigger budget like movie. So, you know, I think that is, Maybe not a bad idea. I would like to see them do that. I do. Think, I just think about how that technology is going to progress. Yeah, and it's going to be like Truman Show level. Like a Hollywood studio will be just this giant dome that you can transform into any environment. Right. Exactly. It, or you know what? It kind of reminded me of is like some holodeck type shit. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine? And we're more than likely a long. Because even though I'm sure it's, like I said, cheaper than flying everybody out to Tunisia or Jordan or wherever, um, I'm st- it's still got to be massively expensive, right? Oh, I can. they probably have a supercomputer there to oh. like run the... I don't think it's a computer, brother. <laughs> I think it is. Well, I just don't know how many supercomputers right. you would need for that, like, you know. But can you imagine when they get to the point of like a commercially feasible version of that. Not meaning you have that shit installed in your house, but like, or uh, basically, yeah, like that's the, uh, uh, like your living room is a box, a giant cube. Now that's even further away. What I'm talking about is like, let's say you go to, for lack of a better term, modern day laser tag. You know what I mean? Like you go to a place that has this set up. You're talking like that is fucking virtual reality right there. Yeah. You don't even have to have a helmet or any special equipment like strapped to your body. Like they boot that shit up and you're in whatever environment. That is that is a cool idea right there. I don't yeah. know. Like I said, years and years away from that being such a thing, but damn, the idea is pretty neat. That's so true. Yeah, and I think um, maybe it's for the the Star Wars hotel that's going in in Orlando. They have some weird patents for like some sort of virtual reality lightsaber experience, experience or something. Interesting. Um, I don't understand the technological side of it, but something about projections and stuff. But I doubt it's like something at that level, but man, it makes me wonder, like, I don't believe that Cassian 
is shooting in California where they shot uh, the Mandalorian. Like that's all done in a, a studio in California, all that yeah. um, volume stuff. Makes me wonder, are they going to set up a similar um, setup in the UK? You would have to imagine that as well as that seemed to work for them on the Mandalorian, that they would continue that over into Cassian, right? You would think. I'd really like to see that. I mean, you would only think, right? Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, man, uh, I'm trying to think of some other cool stuff that came out of that. I mean, besides just being sort of blown away by the whole thing, um, I can't really remember any other highlights that really jumped out at me. Steadily endearing me more to Jon Favreau. Yeah. And his love for Star Wars and his ability to innovate. Yeah, man. Yeah. And and, and I think that was uh, obviously at this point we know it was a good get for Lucasfilm to get him to shepherd this first Star Wars TV show. Right. And, like, do you remember? I think we had I think we had Steel on when the when they first announced that they were going to do a Star Wars live action show. And yeah. like the big question we just all seemed to have was like, how are they going to be able to do this with, you know, a lower budget serialized over several episodes and still make it feel as high quality as a Star Wars movie? And John Travro was like, hey, I got I got this idea. Yeah. Like I've been doing some weird shit in CG the last few years. We we're talking like animals and lions and shit. Let me handle this. <clears throat> and I did think it was interesting, like how Dave Filoni was talking about, you know, this being his first live action experience as a director, how it was a nice sort of transition from animation to live action having this volume available to use. And like, you know, I also like that they didn't just solely rely on that. You know, like, it was clear at a certain point that our buddy Uncle George got real enamored with the CG. Because if you look at the Phantom Menace, there's a ton of models. They talked about it in one of the episodes. Oh, yeah, about how much of the Phantom Menace was actually model work. Yeah, and then as the prequel trilogy goes on, it's more and more CG. Um, You know, full sets of nothing but green screen. And so I could see how it would be tempting to just go that route, but they did, they went the extra mile and built like half of a razor crest that they could put in that studio. drop in. Yeah, and then have the rest of it projected and rock wall faces for like the canyon scene with the uh the you know the competing bounty hunters that come and attack him in the second episode and they right. built the giant uh sand crawler tread for the episode with the jawas and stuff and it was really fucking cool <clears throat> and i i bet you like you know when they had george lucas on set his whole thing when he was trying to make that Star Wars Underworld show was they just couldn't crack the code on the technology to make Star Wars on TV cheap enough. Right. To make it cheap enough for the money to work, right? And it seems like this is what he needed. Right. Like, this was it. 
yeah and they do say in um in that that episode like how ahead of his time he was with his thinking and like Bryce Dallas Howard talks about this time she heard him about like we're going to be able to make Star Wars movies in our garage one day yeah and fucking here we go That's a really expensive garage. I mean, I'm, it's like a hangar, but like. Yeah. Well, you got to imagine. George Lucas got a big garage. As I say, George Lucas can afford a big-ass garage. <laughs> it's his overflow flannel storage right now. And white sneakers. Do you think he really has multiple? I'm That man probably has seven flannel shirts that get cycled each day. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I'll ask him next time I see him. Do. <laughs> How many flannel Tell him to come you? on the show. Oh, dude. <laughs> that would not go well. No, uh, you would be quiet as a mouse and I would do nothing but, dude, I love you. I just <laughs> I just want to say I love you. I just want to say thank you. And pour out my heart to you. Hey, man. Boba Fett. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I, I have a tendency to overuse you know what i mean Ooh, there would be a lot of you know what i means talking to george locust hey man lightsabers right am i right you know what i mean i would do my journalistic homework and we i would have deep deep dive questions things oh, that i, I think try. you might want to talk about that weren't necessarily star wars i wouldn't go in by the seat of my pants but the best best laid plans my man i think that would all fucking fall apart once it actually came to it all right. Uh, you want to do some voicemails and some emails? I do. Let's do it. Cockhead! The only Jedi master who can crash box Kiyadi! Cockhead! Running around slaying bitches with his cockhead! He's a big Syrian stud. He loves to split chicks with his pud. Kitty Cockhead to stroke his cone and suck on his balls. Kitty Cockhead, what you gonna do when he comes on you now? He's a Jedi Council stooge, but he'll be pumping spooge tomorrow. Cockhead, Blue Herb. Cockhead, Hansberger. Cockhead, Will Win. Cockhead, Goose Paint. Cockhead, G Money. Cockhead. All right, first up, we got a voicey from our buddy King Tom, the king of our times. Hey there, Oz and Will. I was watching Revenge of the Sith recently, and I have a few questions I wanted to run by you. Most of these are based around the scene in Chief Palpatine's office, you know, when he has the big duel with Mace and Anakin comes in. The first, and I know, you know, we've kind of talked about this before, where we, we like the idea of pretending we're in-universe, telling the history of the Star Wars universe, of how things happened. And my question is, who exactly killed Mace? Pretend for a moment that 
you know, you're on one of these courtroom TV shows and you have all of the evidence that we have been given in the movie. You know, it, it appears that Palpatine is cornered. He's shooting lightning. Mace is holding it back. Anakin comes in, cuts off Mace's hand, allowing Sheev to propel Mace through the window into his death. You know, knowing that and kind of maybe ignoring the whole thing about whether Palpatine was pretending he was beaten. Who is responsible for Mace's death? That's that's my first question. My second question is, it was part of legends that to become a Sith, you must murder someone close to you. I think one of the best examples of this is when Dooku killed sifo Diaz. And this is kind of, it's also a little bit in the new canon, in the moment that's coming to mind. I know this isn't specifically Sith, but, you know, Kylo Ren had to have a good death to join the Knights of Ren. Suppose that Anakin were also faced with the same thing. What would you consider his good death to be? I mean, he was involved in Mace's death. Mace was kind of close to him. He didn't kill Obi-Wan. There were the younglings, but they weren't really anyone special to him. Um, and I know there was always the whole thing where, well, Darth Vader killed Anakin Skywalker. But at the same time, in the same way, every Sith kills the person they were. So did did Darth Vader really have a, a, a good death of someone that was close? Oh, I'm just thinking this right now. There was Padme. I don't know. And, you know, I, I actually I, I thought I only had two questions. I had one more. If you were Sheev Palpatine and you knew you were grooming this kid to be your apprentice for 20 years, well, probably not that long, would you be thinking of a name for him all that time? Or, you know, in, in the movies, henceforth you shall be known as Darth, pause, Vader. Do you think Vader came to him in that moment? Or do you think he was thinking back to, to Anakin's days on Tatooine, and he meant to say Darth Racer, <laughs> but that pause was because the, the word got caught in his throat, and it came out as Vader instead of Racer, but he didn't want to correct himself. These are the thoughts and questions that keep me up at night. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you two are doing great. I'll talk to you later. We got to get King Tom out of the house. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we got we to gotta drive to... Oh, God. Here he goes. We got to drive to Ohio and get that boy out on the road for a little bit. Um, okay, Will, if you, if, all right, let's imagine we're in intergalactic court. Who do you pin the death of Mace Windu on, Anakin or Sheev? I would say premeditated on Sheev's part and manslaughter on Anakin. Not even murder in the second degree. Like, okay, you not, basically, not, yeah. Palpatine gets murder in the first degree. Anakin gets murder in the second degree. Yeah. Because he killed him by cutting his hand off. Right. Yeah. Like, he would have obviously survived that, but he, he opened him up for the, the force he lightning. He broke his defense for, the, you know, for Palpatine's force lightning. Yeah, I totally agree. I think they're both culpable. Is that the right word? Yeah, culpability. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've listened to Serial once or twice. Um, yeah, I think they both did him dirty. You, you basically exactly said what I was going to say. Um, 
What was his second question? His second question was, oh, who did Darth Vader, did Darth Vader have a good death? Did he kill somebody close to him? Um, I'm going to go with Padme. Yeah, I think you would have to go with that one because obviously he didn't kill Obi-Wan. Um, unless you would just count the amount of Jedi that he killed. If you consider the whole Jedi order. Well, yeah, but like by his own hands, like just all the killing he did at the Jedi Temple, if you just were like, look, it was it was it was quality quantity, not quality. Look, if you can't stand on a mountain of children's bodies to get to your goal, I don't know that any one other death will get it. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, but yeah, that is sort of an interesting concept. Um, and I guess you could also say like, um, in the force awakens, like he killed, you know, we're talking about Kylo having to have a good death to enter the Knights of Ren, but then he also killed his dad. So like, would that have been yeah, like right. if this was a traditional sort of Sith and, um, Sith master and apprentice type thing, would that have been the moment? I would say so, right? That's got to be the moment he really fully turned himself over to the dark side. I don't know. I don't know. That's one of the most complicated uh, thoughts, you know, and it can turn to the dark side. One of the most complicated things to think about. Um, now, as far as she, I'm telling you, she had that name in his, you have to. Like some, Chief had the name picked out. He was like, yeah. mm, that Vader will be my, my long-term apprentice. <laughs> you know, he's like, that's what I named my long, that's my long-term girlfriend's name. We're getting rid of all these side piece apprentices. Dooku and Maul. Um, I came up with Tyrannus on the spot. That was <laughs> a throw. That was a throwaway. He was, he was watching the fucking Star Wars version of little on the nose <laughs> uh yeah i think he'd been brewing on that one for a little while he puts the pause there just as uh for like dramatic effect because let's be honest like palpatine is an over dramatic dude right like that, there's and he just electrocuted his lungs he may have had to gasp some some wheezing in there to get it out yeah and you know there was no reason that he had to scream power, unlimited power, right? Like that was just yeah. for dramatic sake. He was just yeah. swinging old wrinkly nuts at that point. <clears throat> All right, let's see who we got next. Next up, we got not King Tom, but uh -oh. our other buddy Tom, Tom Sutton. Oh, I thought this was somebody's name was not King Tom. I was like, uh oh. <laughs> Hey, Hoss and Will, this is Tom in Sweden, just saying hi. And, uh, Hoss, I wanted to say I really loved your short but sweet fit rumor reaction show. Um, I'm sorry to hear you uh, feeling kind of concerned that recent rumors could uh, mean a reduced role for fit or a twisting of the character. Um, but, I, you know, I, I want to encourage you guys to say, stay optimistic, stay pumped, because, um, I mean, look... I think this really could go in a cool direction. The feat that we see at the end of episode five of uh, the first season of The Mandalorian, I mean, that doesn't look like the Fed costume that we know and love. 
So if that is fit, that means he's, he's out there without that armor on, right? And if we do go by what's in uh, the Aftermath books, then you have to assume that it is Cobb Vanth who's got that armor. So we could see uh, a, a subplot in Season 2 of The Mandalorian where uh, Boba Fett is uh, tracking down his, uh, his, his armor. And I think uh, a wizened and angry Boba Fett reclaiming his armor and uh, becoming the Boba Fett that we know and love could be a super cool uh, story. Uh, it will be interesting to see if uh, he and Din Djarin will um, end up kind of teaming up or whether they will be foes to the end. That will be interesting to see. But, uh, yeah, I I think that all the pieces um, they, they could add up to something cool. And we could be getting a big, thick, juicy slab of Boba Fett awesomeness. <laughs> All right. Mm. Uh, thanks again for the show. Um, this is Nut King Tom signing out. Dude, I'm all about Boba Fett's big, juicy slab. Big, thick, juicy I slab. I know you are. Man. That's perfect for you. <clears throat> that is right up my alley. <laughs> Look, you know, it's... We weren't recording when... No, I think this was before we started recording. Will asked me, like, are you still bummed about the Cobb Vant thing? And when I told him, I was like, no, I'm not bummed. Like, I just... I have no reason to be bummed. Like, it's... Right. Until I see what they do, like, what can I be bummed about? You know? Like, I just got to take a wait-and-see approach. I just can't let myself get too attached to any idea of Boba Fett, man. Because until you see it, until I see it, because I've been hurt before. Well, they hurt me you, a couple you, of times. Your heart was too close to the fire. I was, it was, and I it was, got burned. You know, Josh Trank. I honestly feel like we judged dodged a bullet with that. Okay, that's really? oh, that's all well and good. He didn't get to make his Boba Fett movie, probably for the best. James Mangold. That one still bums me out, man. That one still bums. Speaking of which. He's going to be directing the next uh, Indiana Jones movie. Well. Hey, buddy, give me one minute. Okay. Well, uh, so what I was saying is James Mangold, who, you know, was rumored to be doing a Boba Fett movie around the time Solo was coming out. He's right. directing the next Indiana Jones movie. Okay. Which I think is pretty neat. I mean, I think so, too. <clears throat> if that thing ever gets off the ground, man, ever since Indiana Jones three, they have had a hard time getting the next installments off the ground. It seems like is it production or is it a KG Harrison Ford? I don't think it's so much a KG Harrison Ford as it is getting the script right and or debatably right, I guess with kingdom of the crystal skull, but like just getting everything together seems to be the issue. I feel like part five has been delayed several times now. There um, were just some, some extreme, I mean, it's, it's messed up to say that you can't, you know, I understand, you know, you can bring the Ark of Covenant in to melt the face off Nazis, but what people don't like it when you imply that beings from another planet have crystal skulls in archeology. span Like, you know, it's, I'd be honest. That I, was the least of my problems. Yeah, it wasn't the alien mm -mm. crystal skull thing that really upset me. It was the him being blown in an atomic blast in a lead fridge. 
you know, it was a Shia LaBeouf swinging with monkeys. Yeah, like, I think the monkeys thing was, was the biggest for me. <clears throat> but yeah, you know, like was, I was saying, it's not so much that I'm bummed about the Cobb Vant thing. I, I totally agree with Tom that there's plenty of opportunity for cool story elements, but I also have to realize that Boba Fett is not the focus of this story. It's the Mando. It's Baby Yoda, you know? So, right. like, where does this side story with Cobb Vanth and Boba Fett, how does that fit in? And is it even feasible for that to be that heavily focused on and things like that? So I'm just trying to approach it with cop cautious optimism because I don't want to put all my hopes and dreams in some crazy cool thing for Boba Fett and then that's not what it turns out to be, you know? Yeah. <clears throat> all right. That's true. Next up, we got a voicemail from our buddy Jim. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, Halls and Will. How you guys doing? Uh, I had a quick question, and it is uh, kind of a harder question, I think. But if Kathleen Kennedy called you guys up, you know, today, and she says that uh, her and her family listen to your show every week, they're huge fans. Uh, she can't really wait to release news to hear how you guys react to it. I mean, that's how close she is to you guys. That she gives you a hundred million dollars to make a fan fic, uh, your own fan movie. So, uh, what would you guys do? Uh, what would, what would be the subject you know, they'd give you writers and designers and directors and all that sort of help, but you guys are the idea men. What what do you guys go for? Uh, and it's, you know, it's going to be released within the year, so you guys got to get to work. What do you guys think? All right, gentlemen, ignite the green. Ooh. What do you do, Will? I mean, you and me, what would we do? Obviously, we would do the Boba Fett fan movie, wouldn't we? Yeah, see, that's the thing, though, man. Like, I don't know if I trust myself enough with that. You know what I mean? Like, I, I mean, <laughs> go big or go home, dude. Like, I know, but like, then, like, let's say, okay. then let's do a bounty hunter heist movie. See, now that, like, having all the bounty hunters have a little forlom, little Zuckus, little boss. Little, uh, what was it? Aces, smoking aces, but bounty hunter, like Star Wars bounty hunters. Like, yeah, but see, you know, that would be a fucking nightmare for me is like, I'm like, oh, all right, here we go, boys, Boba Fett time, here we go. And then it comes out and people are like, see, this is why we don't like Boba Fett. See, this is what we're talking about. The shit sucks. You have to wrap your head around the fact that no matter what you do creatively, there's going to be someone that approaches you and tells you that it's absolute <laughs> shit. But you can't listen to those people. You have to do what you like. Yeah, I know, man. I just wouldn't want to be the person responsible for ruining Boba Fett. I don't want to be no, the fucking that's... Michael Bay of Boba Fett movies. Well, Michael Bay is crying his way out of the bank. Hey, look, like there that's all well and good. And I'm not saying that wouldn't be cool. Like, yeah, that would be real cool. But... Also, man, I would just, like, that's a lot of pressure. Like, I would almost want to do something a little less. You would less... want to do something not connected? 
not maybe maybe not even totally unconnected but something a little less like precious something a little less beloved a little lower stakes like would they let me do um a mini series about tar vizsla so then then i could get a little little mandalorian action a little lightsaber action dark saber get get mm-hmm. feloni to help me out with the story you know what i mean yeah because i tell you one thing you don't want me to do in star wars is come up with character names that is oh, something really? i am not good at I'm terrible at coming up with character names. Anytime I've tried to DM any type of role-playing game, like, the character names are bad. I was about to say, that's where I learned how to do it. Yeah, I'm just not good at it. Like, in Blue Harvest Adventures, my fucking character name was from a, a, I'm not lying, a Star Wars name generator that I just refreshed dozens and dozens of times until I found one. Like, like- I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. There we go. Everybody else has got cool names. that They're like, I came up with this cool name. I'm like, I ain't got that skill. That is a skill I don't have. I'm sorry about that interruption. Well, it's all good, buddy. Um, so He's ne- cagey. <laughs> Next up, we got a email from our buddy, Evan. Hey, buddies. It's been a while, but I wanted to share something that may potentially lift your Boba Spirits halls. I was watching the Gunslinger episode of The Mandalorian, and I picked up on something interesting, and potentially something you may have already caught. Before parting ways with Toro, the Mando says, in reference to Fennec, she's no good to me dead. Which, as you definitely already know, is a direct callback to Boba speaking about Han in The Empire Strikes Back. That coupled with the Spurs generally leads me to believe it's truly Boba, and not Cobb at the end of the episode. While it could be Cobb, I feel like there are too many signals to Boba fans by Filoni to outright outright mislead the audience. Anyways, not much of a question, but more of an observation. Take care, my friends, Evan. Well, thank you, buddy. I do. I, I, that is nice. <clears throat> See, that's the thing. Like, if with all those hints, if Boba is not really involved. Like, it does seem just a little bit dirty. Too much. It's a yeah, little dirty. That's dirty. And you didn't have to do all that. I do understand the the um, the appeal of a good misdirection. Big fan of a big misdirection. Of the big, oh, holy shit moment, you know? I yeah. love that kind of shit. Why, look how much I was into Lost. But <laughs> there's a bridge too far when you're messing with Boba. Yeah. All right. That's not a funny thing to play around with if you're not going to put him in. <laughs> um, next up, we have one from our buddy Ian. Hey, Blue Harvest. Hope you guys are doing well. Just wanted to talk about the future of Star Wars video games. So I'm aware we are getting a Fallen Order sequel, which is super dope. Also know Sony teased us with Project Maverick. We were talking about that. Which hopefully sees a return to some flight simulation game. What I'm a bit more interested in is, are there any other games in development? With EA in charge of Fallen Order, what's the likelihood we get a Battlefront 3? Or could development switch hands and we, we could get a whole new game altogether? Would love to know your thoughts. May the force be with you, Ian. So, unfortunately, because EA has squandered some of their time with the Battlefront license and has canceled three games, four games, something like that, I don't know how many more 
games we have in production at this point. There's Project Maverick, right? Which is either this year or next year. We don't know yet as far as I understand. I'm kind of guessing next year because I don't know. I mean, I, it's always been sort of rumored to be a smaller project. So yeah. maybe that could mean this year. It all depends on the reveal and things like that. You know, I guess when you think about it, Star Wars uh, Fallen Order wasn't officially revealed until Celebration last year, which was in April. And then we got the first gameplay footage in June at E3, and it came out in November. So I guess it is feasible that they reveal Maverick in the next couple of weeks, and then we get get it this year. Um, and then, from what I understand, the Fallen Order sequel is 2022. That that'll probably be coming out. Okay. Um, and then, past that, the end of the EA license is 2023, I believe. So, <clears throat> those might be the two games that are development. You know, I, I don't know how willing they would be to start working on more projects until they either know that the contract is going to get extended or what, right? Right. So, that is that is the question. Um, now, from what I understand, it doesn't have to necessarily get to 2023 before they can extend the contract or renew the contract with EA. They could end up doing that pretty much at any point if they want, and then that would open up the timeline where they could start developing some more games. Um, the other thing to keep in mind is, as far as a Battlefront 3, I don't know the likelihood, once again, because of the whole EA contract timeline, that that happens because it's definitely not happening this year. And if Project Maverick is next year and Fallen Order is in 2022, then you would have to think the earliest we get that is 2023. Right. Dice, who makes the Battlefront games for EA, you know, they also make Battlefield, and they are currently working on the next one of those, which comes out next year in 2021. So okay. they're going to be focused on that until then, at least. And then you have to imagine a certain amount of time post-release support for that game as well. So, yeah, I, <clears throat> I wouldn't count on a Battlefront 3 anytime super soon unless that EA contract gets extended. Um, that's what it all really hinges on. So for now, unfortunately... I think that's the two things we we have to look forward to is Maverick, Fallen Order 2. Um, and then past that, I guess we'll it's a wait and see what happens yeah. with the EA thing. Personally, I you know, I think we've talked about a, a few times on the episode. I want them to just start taking pitches from different developers. Don't give any one developer the sole license to create right. Star Wars video games. You know, if they want to give, I don't EA... see why you can't license one here and one over there. Right, you know? right, and they, you know, they have that whole Lucas Arts or Lucas Games division, which is in charge of licensing. Like that's the reason you're seeing some older games re-released on modern consoles is because they have a part. So I don't know why they couldn't just ramp that up a little bit and 
you know, if they want to give DICE the license to create another Battlefront game, let them do it. But just don't let EA hold the sole exclusive rights. I don't, you know. Because it feels like there's been a lot of moving the goalpost and not a lot of action. Yeah, and I just really wish they had been more productive about it. You know, one, I would have been happy with just one more Star Wars game released under their umbrella. You know, they could have obviously done even way more than that. <clears throat> All right. Next up, we got a couple more emails and then we'll call it a night. Next up, we have one from our buddy Josh W. Hello there, Halls and Will. Josh W. back again with a question and maybe an opportunity to do some cock-a-duty speculating. The news about Cobb Vance jumped to the screen got me thinking about other characters from the novels that might be fun to see in live action. I'd love to see Ray Sloan and Brindle Hux from Aftermath and Eureka Quell and Nath Tencent from Alphabet Squadron. How about you guys? Anything you would like to see? I love the pod. Keep up the good work. This is the way. Josh W. Ooh. <clears throat> Mine's going to be Thrawn. Yeah. I, I think, Thrawn would be cool. I think that's a matter of time. You know, we've already gotten him in animation. It's only a matter of time before we get him in live action. Such a well-regarded, loved character. Um, it's going to happen eventually, I think. Uh, as far as novel characters and stuff, like... It would have been cool to see Mr. Bones from yeah. uh, Aftermath. Uh, Will, if you're not familiar with Mr. Bones, you know Snap Wexler. He's an Wexley. assassin droid, right? Well, he is, you know, Snap Wexley, old Greg Grungberg from the sequel trilogy. Um, he is a, a battle droid that uh, Snap sort of reprogrammed and stuff, and he's like sort of psychotic. He loves oh. violence and shit. My goodness. <laughs> kind of the whole uh ooh, crazy killer quirky droid thing they've been doing a lot yeah. in um sort of the Disney era of Star Wars. But that would have been a cool character to see, I think. Um I don't know that it necessarily counts as uh someone from a novel, at least a current canon novel, but I really want to see like Darth Revan and Bastila Shan and stuff. Oh, that would be cool. That's one that I would always go with. All right. Next up, we have an email um, from our buddy Utah. Utah. Dougie. Dougie. And it's just real simple. He says, who ends up with the Darksaber at the end of Mandalorian Season 2? Ooh. I mean, Din Djarin would be my awesome guess. But That's my guess. And what it, if the Vizsla, what if the, what if Favreau's character ends up with it? Oh, Paz Vizsla? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm wondering if he's going to end up showing up. I want to know if, how many, if any, of their, uh, his Mandalorian brethren from that uh, covert survived. Right. Um. I sure hope. It'd be cool if the chick, in the foundry chick, the foundress. The armor. The armor. Yeah, that would be cool too. Um, yeah, I just kind of feel like maybe it is going to be Jin Jarin. 
Like, he's just going to end up with all kinds of cool shit. He's got the cool ship. He's got the cool armor. He's got a jetpack now. I could see them being like, now let's give him a lightsaber. Maybe he sends it off with Baby Yoda. He could send it off with Baby Yoda eventually. Maybe, um, maybe Bo-Katan shows back up and he gives it back to her. Because she's who had it last before we saw old Moth Gideon with it. <coughs> Righty. Next up, we got one last email. And this is from our buddy Dylan. Hey guys, listen to the last, ep- the last few episodes and the talk about Boba Fett and his role in season two of Mandalorian. It got the old brain turning and I came up with a scenario I figured I would run past you. What if we did indeed see Boba Fett waking up walking up to the body of Fennec Shand in season one. What if she and Boba were working on finding Cobb Vanth to retrieve his armor after hearing about the impersonator wearing it? You could tie it in with the Mando making a return to Tatooine and Boba possibly sees him and mistakes him for Cobb Vanth. It would be an introduction somewhat similar to what we got with Cara Dune, but it would be cool to see Mando and Boba duke it out for a moment before realizing they could team up and take the armor. Mando would be down to help seeing as the value he holds in Beskar and the issues with it being in the wrong hands. They could pull it all off in one episode and Boba could return in season three. It would also allow him to be accepted into the Mandalorians officially seeing how it's an orphan concept with the group now. Thanks for your time, Dylan. Um, so the one thing that would make me wonder about the idea of Boba and Fennec Shand um, looking for Cobb Vanth is, doesn't she mention that she's working for an Imperial client or something like that? I, do, I think she's, is it an Imperial client or does she have another bounty through the, what is it, the syndicate or the 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 guild right because when they when fucking toro and the mando corner her she mentions that she's trying to get to some spaceport right does she say moss espa she's trying to get somewhere because she's got a client or someone waiting for her there right i don't remember if she specifically says it's an imperial client or if i'm confusing that with uh, the fact that they say she was like an imperial assassin, right? When they're when they first introduce Toro and they're talking about the bounty for Fennec Shand and stuff, so I can't really remember. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I do feel like if if the Cobb Bant thing pans out and Boba is actually in it in present time and not through flashbacks or something to that effect then he will be wanting to get that armor. Like that's, I think a pretty solid choice to go and understandable way to go. Um, I would think, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think that could definitely be an option. Um, cause I can't see Boba Fett just being cool with some no, guy, <laughs> someone running around being Boba Fett. Um, and I also, I mean, I would love if somehow this all shakes out with Boba Fett being um, accepted as a Mandalorian officially. Uh, I don't know if that's the way they're going to go. And I do wonder if people would be like, well, that's kind of like 
Isn't that kind of just directly going against something George established? Granted, was that he wasn't a Mandalorian? Right. Like, that was something that came down from George, was that he's not a Mandalorian, he just wears Mandalorian armor. So would that make... You would think that maybe that would make Din Djarin dislike Boba quite a bit. Yeah. He hasn't Maybe even armor. his whole covert. Right. So... But, you know, if they use that as some sort of story for him to become accepted as a Mandalorian, of course, I would think that's cool. But I also have a feeling that if Boba is a significant part in this story at all, that he's going to be more antagonistic in nature against the Mando and stuff. I don't know that they're... I would think. Yeah. I don't know that... There could be any mentor action going on. Unless there is. Yeah, unless there is. <clears throat> All right, buddy. Well, I think that does it for us this week. Thanks so much for taking the time to record with me. Oh, man. Thank you for waiting for me and having me on. Um, so, uh, if you guys haven't already, please leave us a review on iTunes. Um, really help us out. We're only... Uh, what is it now? We're only eight away from hitting our goal of 200 reviews. Um, and uh, check out Stoned Cobra if you like our theme song. They were the band that's kind enough to provide the music. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, and at stonedcobra.bandcamp.com. And we'll They're like a real kick-ass band. They're like real kick-ass. They're like foreigner. But kick-ass. But kick-ass. Uh, and we'll catch you guys next week. Until then, this has been Blue Harvest, and I'm your host, Hollis Burkhart. And I'm your host, Will Witten. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with all of you. May the Force be with us.